you know, you, you know that I don't delve off in Revelations. I know about it, but, but I also respect Deuteronomy 18 and 18 through 20. Because he said, if you make a prediction, if you prophesy, things doesn't come to pass, it's lights out. So that's why I'm very careful when I talk about prophetic things. Now, we can talk about it, but it's, when it comes from a podium, I have to be very careful. But um, so everybody wants to know about what's going on in, in with Israel and is this the end times? And okay, yes, I guess, yes. Has this been going on since Jacob and Esau? Yes. Are we living the last days? Okay. If it makes you feel better, okay. Okay, yes. If that makes you happy, yes. But I, I want to, I want to, I don't want you to stomp out of here, okay? But, but I've known this for 25 or 30 years, but I want to show you something that's probably coming more to pass today and makes more sense than it did 25 years ago. Um, the Four Horsemen, Revelation 6. We're not going to talk about this. I have a message to preach to you, but I need to answer this question to you that Revelation 1, we have a revelation of Jesus Christ really is. It's a good one. Number two and three, we have letters to the churches. Write this letter to the angel of the church, which is Agalos' pastor. Usually what the pastor is, the people will be. That's not always 100%, but it's close. Revelations 4 and 5 deals with this great scene in heaven. The Lamb of God being crowned, the people of God glorifying Him. There's, a, there's, there's all kinds of great things that are going down. And now in Revelation 6, we have the opening of seven seals. And the first four of the seven seals is the four horsemen of apocalypse. All right. These four horsemen, there's a white one. This is the Antichrist. The reason why that I feel like we know this is because that he's carrying a bow without arrows and he's not like this, the one on the white horse in Revelation 19. The horse is not called faithful and true. He conquers. The red horse, the second seal, he's here to make war and commit horrendous murders in the street. This is a tribulation. Number three, it's the black horse. The scales is in his hand. It talks about famine. It talks about a, an economic collapse. And last one, it's, it's the pale horse. The word is chronos. In the Greek, chronos means pale green, death. It's green. If you get sick, like, like Lorena's going to be on a ship, she's going to turn a little green. Now, she's not going to die, but... But the word pale, it's only used one time in the entire New Testament where we get a word for chlorophyll. Chlore is green. It's a yellowish green, but it's green. He's telling you that when the tribulation begins, in which period that you, you, whether you're in it, around it, or post, pre, mid, whatever you want to argue with, I don't really care. But when it really begins and it all begins to unfold, then there's four things that's going to come and you understand that this is dealing with Israel. You understand that we may be drug into it, but this is the last week of Jacob's trouble. This tribulation is designed for Israel because they have not accepted Jesus as Messiah. So get this. It ain't about you. 
It ain't about big churches and mega churches. This is about the nation of Israel being brought to a place where they understand in Zechariah 10 and Zechariah 12. They finally get it, that they see the heavens open at the second coming and they mourn for him as they would mourn their own son and they will declare Jesus as Lord and Messiah. They haven't done that yet. So it's going to take great hardship. So Revelation 6 is the fourth horseman's apocalypse that's going to bring terror and destruction and war and murder and an economic collapse, blood in the streets, and the end result, death, if it was not for the hand of God to save the very elect. He said, if it was not for the hand of God, even the very elect would not be saved, but he will be saved. So I know, not to confuse you, and I've already confused you, but you've got to get these pictures of these four horses out of your mind as separate. They're all one. They're colors. Let me show you something real quickly. In 19, about 88 or 89, I talked about this and they laughed me out the door. I want to show you the flags of the Palestinians. Red, green, white, black. The flag of the Sudan, red, green, black, red. Kuwait, red, green, black, white. Libya, red, green, white, black. Syria, red, green, white, black. Iraq, red, green, black, white. Afghanistan, red, green, white, black. Yemen, red, green, black, white. Jordan, sorry about that, Jordan, red, green, black, white. And United Arab Emirates. These are all Arab colors that are out to destroy Israel. And anyone that is in allegiance with Israel, and that happens to be the good old U.S. of A. So you're going to say, well, what are you saying? Well, you know what I'm saying. These countries have been set up to bring war, false religions, economic collapse, and ultimate, their ultimate goal is to destroy and eradicate Israel. And I want to say something this morning. I'm, I'm not in politics, but there's some people in our Senate, in our house, that needs to be run out of this country on a rail. Yes. Horizontally or vertically, I don't care. Because they're lobbying in our White House, your tax dollar, and they're saying death to Israel. I understand the law that was said. I'm going to bless those that bless you and I'll curse you. So I always want to bless what God has already blessed. And he is, through Abrahamic covenant, through Israel, he's blessed them. So these four horses of apocalypse has everything to do with the colors of the flag that comes against Israel and anyone that supports and aids Israel. And that very well could be you and I. So you're going to say, what happens next? We'll stay next, come back next Sunday and I'll, I might try to confuse you a little bit more. How's that? So, so when you read Revelations, and that's why I stay away from it. Like I said, I know a little bit about it. But when you read that, you have to understand that there is, there's a lot of symbolic meanings to the fact. And could it be that some thousands of years ago, he said, these four horsemen apocalypse that come in colors of flags and they come as a collage now together and they're here to remove, eradicate, destroy, murder and absolutely remove Israel, God's elect, off the face of the earth. The answer is yes. And that's why right now they're doing their very best to do that. So, 
That's all I want to say about that. So are we living in the last days? Probably. How long will it go? Don't know. I remember growing up in church, my father, they'd have great big meetings over at Lighthouse Assembly. God would bring in banners longer in this church. I had everything written down that the Lord would come a certain time period, and he didn't. We had a big movement. The Lord would come in 1988, and he didn't. You have to be very careful setting dates. The last thing that the disciple says in Acts chapter 1, so tell us, now will you restore the kingdom? He said, that's none of your business. Why do you want to know? Because we want to goof off. If you'll tell us when you're coming back, we'll goof off one minute before you come back. That's what employees do. The boss says, I'll be back. Well, when you're coming back, we ain't telling you. We'll just show back up. So he said, it's not for you to know the times or seasons. It's for you to be filled with the Holy Spirit. Amen. You understand that? So that's not, why, that's not why we're not chasing stuff here. No, we can talk about it. So these four colors, the four horsemen of apocalypse, that's what they represented to do. And they're coming together in, in the Arab Alliance, United Arab Alliance, Emirates, to come together to destroy Israel. Last week, we talked about be you a doer of the word and not just a hearer. The word here is where we got a word for credit and doer is audit. Credit means this. I signed up for a college course for the credit. I went to class. I didn't pay attention. I didn't take notes. I enrolled. I sat in the chair. And for the whole semester, I was enrolled in a credit of the college course, but I didn't pay attention and I flunked it miserably. Anybody ever did that? Please don't raise your hand. An audit is that you went to class, you signed up, you paid attention, you took notes, and you auditioned it out in the street. It's not enough, we found out last week, just to come and sit here and listen to me go on and on. It's not enough for you just to be a hearer of something. It's not enough for you just to hear the gospel message. It's not just enough for you to hear about faith and all these things. It's not just enough because you can sit here and you can hear sounds and you can hear noises, but it doesn't register in. And when you leave this place, you do nothing with it and you flunk and fail miserably. And people flood to my office with problems and I would say, hey, in the last 38 years, was you not paying attention last Sunday? I dealt with this. I, no, I didn't know. Were you on your phone? Maybe. Were you daydreaming about beating the Baptist to settle in stockade? You won't do that. You won't do that here. I don't care if we start at 8 o'clock in the morning. You're not going to beat them. <laughs> I want you not just to be a hearer. I want you to be a doer. I want you to audition it out in the streets. I want you to perform it. And so this morning, the reason why it's so important, so I have to finish where I couldn't finish last week, and I know after an hour, you thought, my goodness, how much longer can the boy go? I can go. <laughs> but I, I want you to more than just sit there and look like this at me. As it was in Cain's face, God said this, I can see it in your face. I can see it in your face. Your countenance fell. Your face is rotted. You're mad. You're angry. You're upset. And I want you to get it because once you get it, remember what the word is? Eureka, I found it. I discovered it. Revelation, Eureka is the word. 
I've found the treasure of the kingdom, Eureka. I've found that Christ, who he is. And John kept saying over and over, the disciple who God or Jesus loved, the reason why he said that, because he finally got it, Jesus loves me. You believe he loves everybody, but you don't believe he loves you because of all your imperfections. But he loves you. Eureka, I found truth. So this morning, Ephesians chapter six, verse 10. Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord in the power of his might. This is a common verse. I'm going to show it to you in the Message Bible, please. And that just about wraps it up. God is strong and he wants you strong. What does it mean that wraps it up? He's given a long lecture of five solid chapters to this church. I mean, he's been pouring it on. I mean, he's just been laying it on thick. And he says, Finally, my brother, be strong in the Lord and the power of his might. Maybe next week we'll talk about power and, and might. Two different words, but they kind of, where we get a word, well, never mind. I'll tell you next Sunday. The word finally in the Greek means it's the term used to describe something that is of great importance, finally. In conclusion, that I have saved the most important issue of this epistle until the end of this letter. So if you don't remember anything else that I've said, please remember this, that I want you to stand out in your memory, finally. He's about to say something. He said, even though you didn't get anything, and I feel like that every Sunday. I mean, when I turn the music on, I think you wake up and you go, I'm going to listen to the next 30 seconds, what he's saying. And Paul said, I've been talking to you about some things, but finally, the most important things that I have to say is Ephesians chapter six. The Ephesians contains some of the deepest theological points in the New Testament, if you're not aware of this. Paul deals with the election of the saints, Ephesians 1 and 4. He talks about the predestination work of God, Ephesians 1 and 5. He talks about the adoption of the sons of God, Ephesians 1 and 5. Remember adoption? Adoption is not infant adoption. It's adoption of a grown man. God knew exactly what he was getting when he adopted you. He knew. The word adoption is where we get a word, agorizo, it's a slave market that they would come and they would bid on a grown man, a weos, a grown man, in full knowing what he was getting. God knows exactly what he was getting when he got you. Even though you didn't know what you would be and turned out to be, and even though that you don't exactly like the condition that you are now, but I want you to know, God fully knew what he was getting when he called you and appointed you, and here's the kicker, and he still wanted you. <laughs> That's crazy. He talks about the dispensation of the fullness of times. Then he talks about the sealing of the Holy Spirit, Romans, excuse me, Ephesians 1 and 13. Then he begins to talk about the earnest work of the Holy Spirit in our life. Then he talks about the power of God upon every believer, 1 and 19. Then he talks about the grace of God, Ephesians 2, 1 through 10. He talks about God's eternal plan for us. Ephesians 3, 10 and 11. Then he marches on in, in Ephesians 4 and talks about the fivefold ministry of the church. And then he gets to chapter 5. He talks about the infilling of the Holy Spirit. And it goes on. Plus practical instru instructions on the relationship between believers is found in chapter 4, 25. The relationship between the believers and the world. Ephesians 5, 3 through 6. He talks about the relationship between husbands and wives, 
Ephesians 5.22. Paul begins to discuss the relationship between parents and their children. Then he talks about the relationship between employees and employers. And it continues and the list goes on. He goes to a lot of trouble to talk about issues with the Ephesus church that he doesn't talk about anywhere else. And just like today, the Ephesian church had accumulated a wealth of facts and information concerning God and God's characteristics. But that knowledge by itself and in itself was not strong enough to keep this church stable and strong. Being a hearer of the word is not enough. Being a hearer of the word is not enough. And I need you to wake up and pay attention to me. If we are living in that last days and there is a movement against Israel, the elect of God, and anyone that helps, supports, and aids Israel, I'm telling you, there's going to be a great amount of pressure that's going to come against the church as it was the first century church, that they all perished under Nero and Domitian. And Paul was screaming bloody murder. You better get it. You better get it. You better hang on tight. You better get a grip. You better hold on. Kateko is a Greek word. You better get a bite. You better buckle up, buttercup, because I know you think it's all fun and fluff and stuff here. It's not. There's a real war that's being waged against you and your mind and your home and your family right now, right sitting in this pew. And you, and you say, oh, you know, you're, you're Debbie Downer and Johnny Doom and Gloomer. I'm just speaking facts to you. If we are living in end times, if the spirit of Antichrist has all been, already been released, and it has, John said it had. And he said, the people that was among us, and they're not among us because they're not with us because the spirit of Antichrist is already gone. But here's the deal. If they were among us, they would have stayed with us, but they went out from into the world. So they never was called by God. But the spirit of Antichrist is already among us. That's what he said 2,000 years ago. That same spirit. So the idea this morning, their enemy, the devil, waged war against these people. They were hearers of the word. And the enemy was having much success in their life. Okay. So if you really don't know, the reason why this is important is because that he deals with great length to the Ephesians about the work of God, predestination, divine election, the call of God, the adoption of God, the workmanship. We are the workmanship of his creation. The word workmanship is where we get a word for poetas, where we get a word for the poetry. We were, we were God's poetry in action. And a poem is something that has rhyme or reason. We were the expression of God. We are the workmanship we're the walking poetry of God. We are the divine expression of God to a world of an invisible God. That's who we are. And he goes into great details with these people, a lot. It's a college course. It's not elementary. It's a college course in theology. But they accumulated tons of wealth. But having tons of wealth did them no good. When the test came, they failed <coughs> Miserably. So you say, well, that's pretty harsh words. So let's read Ephesians chapter four. I would never tell you anything that wasn't true. Well, about cats, I might, but anyway. <laughs> stop lying to each other. Now let's stop right there. We're not talking about pimps, prostitutes, and, 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 and plumbers. We're, 
We're, we're talking about people in the church. Turn to somebody and say, he's talking to you. Go ahead. Be brave. Don't, don't, don't tell Judah that. But he's talking to you. Stop. I mean, this is the guy. Can, can we just hash this over? This is the guy who talked about the call of God, the divine election of God, the predestination of God, the work of God, the poetry of God, then filling the Holy Spirit of God. You've been sealed by the Holy Spirit. Arabon is the word for down payment. God's put a down payment on you until he returns again. That's what the word seal means. You've been, there's a down payment been made for us. We belong to God. We was his, we are his, and we will be soon his in eternity. So he's speaking to the same people that he unfolded all these theological facts to. He's giving them the benefit of the doubt that you're smart and you're intelligent and I can talk to you about things that I couldn't tell the Galatian church because they're over in witchcraft, hocus pocus and alakazam. They're doing all that crazy stuff. And the Colossian church, you know what they are. I mean, they're, they're high and mighty and king of the textile, and they really think they're important, like Laosidea. But the Ephesian church, I mean, the Ephesian church, they pride themselves in, 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 in logic and reason, so he just spills it all out in a college course for them. And when he gets through with, with the conversation, they're looking at one another and saying, like, Mark, we're edumacated. We got us an education. <laughs> but listen to what he tells them. Oh, this hurts. Stop lying to each other. <laughs> Tell the truth. For we are part of each other, and when we lie to each other, we're really lying or hurting our, ourselves. And if you're angry, don't sin by nursing your grudge. And don't let the sun go down and, with you and still angry. Get over it quickly. For when you're angry, you might give a mighty foothold to the devil. Is the word, don't give place, topography to the devil. If you go on vacation, don't run an ad in the paper and tell them you're leaving your key under the doormat. <laughs> don't ever say, well, I'll tell you one thing. I can, I can, I can forgive anything, but first time, the first time Virgil looks at me sideways, well, I'm going to get, well, guess what your enemy, he just heard you say that. Keep going. And if anyone is stealing, what? If anyone's stealing, he must stop it and begin using those hands for his honest work so he can give to each other in need. And don't use bad language. Are we sure we're not talking about a, a plumber's convention here? Are we? Are we? <laughs> Say only what is good and helpful to those that are t you're talking to him. What it will give them is a blessing. Don't cause the Holy Spirit sorrow. It means grief, to embarrass him by the way you live. Remember, he is the one who marks you to be present on the day when salvation from sin will be complete. The word grieve the Holy Spirit, you cannot grieve the Holy Spirit like to be bashful. To grieve the Holy Spirit is the same thing I told you. You don't take a four-year-old to your business meeting because your four-year-old is liable to say anything or do anything. He will. So don't take him. If it's an important business meeting, don't take him. He'll say, he's like, my daddy blows bubbles in the bathtub. He'll say all kinds of stuff. Because he don't know. And so he said, don't grieve the Holy Spirit. God said, will you quit saying dumb things? You're embarrassing me. 
Does this sound like a church that's full of loving and the victorious saints? Oh, I, th- I thought we had everything explained to us. I thought we understood the divine election, predestination, the call of God, the adoption of God, the working of the Holy Spirit, the sealing of the Holy Spirit. I thought we had the gifts of the ministry. I thought we had all that taken care of here. And, and then he says something like this, stop lying, quit stealing, stop cussing, quit being bitter, stop acting mad and mean, and for goodness sake, quit arguing all the time. Thank you. <laughs> so when the Apostle Paul says the word finally, Paul was using, and Paul was turning their focus and emphasis on the spiritual strength, not in their own wisdom and education, because they were failing miserably. They were lying. They were stealing. They were cussing. They were arguing. They were mean and bitter. And you can fill in the blanks. But yet they had a wealth of information that had been broadcasted to them. And I'm not going to ask you this, but I'll tell you, I've been here 30 something years from day one. And you've, you've had enough information there to, to choke a green mule. But information within itself is not enough. That's why John 10 and 10 says that you shall go in and you shall go out and you shall have pasture. Going in, it means receive knowledge. Going out is wisdom, application. One is information. One is application. And the word pasture, no man means this. It means my life is complete. So it's like breathing in. We have to breathe in. And then uh, breathing in is good. Would you agree to that? Go ahead and breathe in. And I'll talk while you hold it there for a while. (laughs) But eventually you got to breathe it out. By breathing in and breathing out. By breathing in and breathing out, you have life. By coming in and receiving information and going out and applying that information, you have spiritual life and growth. You cannot just come in here and get it and don't do anything with it. And for goodness sake, don't go out and do something with something if you don't learn what it is you're supposed to do something with. Somebody said, well, let's go with this. Well, go knock yourself out. Well, I want you to go. I'm not going. You go. Well, what I say, you're the one that want to go witness. So it's very important for us to learn the things of God and it's very important for us to go out and apply them. And in that, you have this reciprocation of breathing in and breathing out. So the Apostle Paul is telling them for the first five chapters, evidently it's not getting through. Remember what Jesus said before they crossed the waters? He gave them this this sermon about the, the parables and he said, you got it? And they're going, he said, just get in the boat. It's important that we get it. And so for five chapters, he's, he's just laying it on. He's laying it on thick. He's laying it on. And they're not getting it. Matter of fact, they're still cussing. They're still stealing. They're still lying. They're still arguing. They're still mad. And, and they're mean. And they're bitter. And instead of knocking on the door and say, hey, I want to invite you to church because this is what Jesus does to me. Instead, you're going there. Just accept God. This is what Jesus did for me. I mean, who wants to, who wants to serve a God that you're mad all the time? No. 
So they're not getting it. So the key to this, when he says, be strong in the Lord. The reason why I take a long time, well, you're paying me by the hour. So the reason why I take a long time is because I'm showing you through all five chapters of him laying it on thick, they're not getting it. They're not getting it because they're not applying it at home. They're not applying it at work. They're not applying it at Walmart. There's no manners. There's no love. There's no anything. And they're mean and they're bitter and all this stuff. And so finally, he said this. Finally, my brother, here, you're failing. You handed in your papers and you failed miserably. So if, if, if you forgot everything I said, one chapter, one through five, remember this. Can you just remember this? Be strong in the Lord. Well, I can do that. Just be strong in the Lord. You don't understand the divine election. You don't understand about adoption. You don't understand about all these things. And I've had people come in here and, 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 and I talk about simple elementary things. And then when I talk about divine election and the sovereignty of God and all these things, oh my goodness, look like Don King's hair standing up. They run out the door and said, you know, false doctrine, false. No, it's not. The Apostle Paul said that I prayed a vision that the eyes of your understanding would be opened. Ooh. Kind of like going to an optometrist. He puts you behind the machine. He goes, better or worse? Better or worse? That's a wedding vow. Is this better or clearer? And Paul said, so here's the deal. You're not getting it. So I want you to be strong in the Lord. This word be strong, if you don't know this, it's called bulama. But but it means use what power you have right now. Use what is available to you right now instead of wishing for something that you don't have. So I'm, I'm fixing to end this because I should have ended it last week, but you all passed out on me except one. Gala didn't pass out. He said, so you, 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 you didn't get adoption. You, get, you didn't get divine election. You, you choked on predestination. And, 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 and I'm doing my very best to talk to you because the day's coming that my days are numbered and, 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 and Nero's about to destroy this city. I'm, I'm wanting you to get true, deep. I want you to go deep into the ground. We've been, been equipped with, to go deep into the waters, but yet we bravely only march to the four inches to take out the bathtub drain water. We're such shallow people of God. We're so shallow. So Paul said, can you do this? Can you just be strong in the Lord? So Belamai is a word. It's a command. Be strong. Use what power you have. So when Moses left Egypt, you know the story, and he gets to the Red Sea finally after time number 10, and he sees this huge body of water. You know what he said? Hey, if, if we had a raft that would hold about at least two of us, but four million of us, God, we're praying for a raft, and a raft don't come. If, if we had a, a cruise ship, if Carnival would just come right through here, if, if we could just build a bridge, and God said, that's not going to happen. And he said, what do you have in your hand? And he said, all I got is a stick that I picked up along the way. And he said, then use what you have. Right. So here's a spoiler alert. 
Some of you have been whining and griping and complaining and moaning and belching and burping of the things that you, oh, if I just had that. Listen, you don't. So just two or three, get over it. Use what you have. Oh, if I could just sing like Catherine, I know I'd love God more. Here's the deal. You can't. I've heard you. I've heard you. You, you, you fulfill, make a joyful noise unto the Lord. You, you fulfill that. So he said to Moses, use what you have. Well, all I have is this stick. Then he said, then just use the stick. When David faces this Goliath, the Jordan died was long, but you know, he had giantism when he did. Goliath had giantism. That's why a boy had to lead him down. That's why he saw two staves. He had giantism. He, he was unstable. He, he, he was intimidating on one side, but he was really not a threat. He just spooked everybody. But if you understand about giantism, you know, his eyes were double vision and he couldn't think, he couldn't, had no steadiness at all. He died at an early age. That's what giantism does. That's what he told him. David said, you, you, you bring me this, this child, but he's got two staves. David only had, well, you know what he had. But David said, hey, if, 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 I'd a, if I had a 50 caliber machine gun or, or a Sherman tank, if I'd had a bazooka, I could knock this knucklehead out of the world. And, and God said, well, you don't. What do you got in your hand? All I got is a slingshot. I got five stones, one for him and one for his four brothers. God said, just use what you have. And what I'm telling you this morning is this. Quit asking and begging and pleading and griping and petitioning for something that you don't have. Just use what God has already given you. Be strong in the Lord. So, so what if I'm not gifted and talented? So, so what if I can't do much? I'll tell you what I can do. I can sweep the parking lot and I can mow the grass because what that parking lot and what that lawn looks like is indicative of what comes here because any time that a house and a yard is full of the weeds, two things are for sure. Number one, either somebody that li doesn't live there or the person that lived there doesn't care. So that's why we try to keep everything pretty good shape because what they see on the outside, they'll, if they'll trust us with the visible, they'll trust us with the invisible. Use what you have. And if all you can do is pray, pray. The word be strong in the Lord. I got five minutes. The word in the Lord is a located place. It's about location. Everything to real estate is, is three things. Location, location, location. It's a located place that you'll find strength that you'll need. He said, be strong. Where? The rest of you are asleep. Be strong in the Assembly of God doctrine. Be strong in Baptist doctrine. Be strong in a certain denomination. Be strong in the advice of other men. Absolutely, you're failing one through five in Ephesians with these people. He said, here's the deal. Whether you, you, you flunked every other course that I've given you, but here's the key to your success to being strong and stable, especially in end times, is be strong in the Lord. Because strength is in Christ. 
The problem what we're having in the church that we quit, we quit searching the scriptures. Now we're turning to Dr. Phil and Sister Oprah for advice. And I'll tell you one thing, that's got him men in Texas a lot of trouble by hanging around that witch, Oprah Winfrey. She is a witch. Now you can stomp out of here, I don't care. I'll help you leave. These people do not believe that Jesus Christ is the only way. Jesus Christ is the only way to the Father. That's what he said in John 14. Not a way, the way, capital T-H-E, the only way. Odos is the word, way. Books, tapes, sermons has no power to help you in themselves. These can only point and direct us to the only one who can, that is in Christ. So you're telling me that the strength that I need for whatever I'm gonna face is found only in one place? In Christ. Can we read? Can we read about six verses quickly? Let's go back and retract. Ephesians 1 and 3. What's this? Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with all spiritual blessings in heavenly places. Say it. Where? All heavenly blessings. Everything that pertains to life and godliness is found where? Ephesians 1 and 4. According as he has chosen us in him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy without blame before him in love. He has chose us, what? In him. In him. God has chosen us in Christ before the foundation of the earth. Ephesians 1 and 6. To the praise and the glory of His grace wherein He has made us accepted in the Beloved. Charutus is the word, in the Beloved. Charutus is only used one at a time is the pregnant Virgin Mary. We are in the Beloved. Ephesians 1 and 7. In whom that we have redemption through His blood, the forgiveness of sins according to the riches of his grace. In whom? In whom we have redemption. In whom we have redemption. In Christ we have redemption. In Him we have forgiveness. 1 and 10. That in the dispensation of fullness of times that He might gather together in all things in Christ, both which are in heaven and on earth, even in Him. Everything that we have need of, it's in Him. Ephesians 1 11, we're about done. Hang on, Mike. In whom we, we have also attained inheritance, being predestinated according to the purpose of Him and who worketh all things after the counsel of His own will. We have been predestinated in the purpose of Him. God had already predestinated my life before the foundation of the earth. Would you choke on that? I'll, I'll resuscitate you and I'll feed it back to you. 
in Him. Not your own decision, not your own desire, not anything that you've done. It was always in Him. And last but not least, verse 13, it says this, in whom you've also trusted after that you've heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, in whom also that after you believe that you were sealed with that spirit of promise, in whom? In Christ. In Christ that we trusted and in Him that we have been sealed by the Holy Spirit. Spiritual strength and success can only be found in the personal relationship with Jesus Christ. So my assignment this morning was not only to give you information about certain theological facts. My assignment this morning was not only to tell you that certain things about him and, 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 and theological information that may help you in the long run, but in itself, that information will do you no good until you get in him. Corinthians says it the best, if any man be He didn't say, if Christ is in you, he said, if any man be in Christ, all things become new. Be strong in the Lord. I know you're going through stuff. I know you're facing stuff. I know you got some financial decisions you got to make. I know there's some things going on in your home. I understand that. And I know you're playing the wishing game and what if game, but you got to quit playing the blame game. I'm telling you right now, whatever that God has in your hands, use it. And my strength comes from the Lord. It's in Christ. So maybe you don't, Mike said, time's up. We're going to haul him out of here. <laughs> So this morning, I may not understand everything that Paul is trying to tell the Ephesian church. I may not understand divine election. I may not understand adoption. I'm speaking on your behalf. You know I understand it. And I live it. And I practice it. But just because you may not can chew it and swallow it and bite it, and just because you're still in the business of cussing and lying and being mad and being angry and stealing while you're sitting in the church around people that you admire, but here's the deal. I ask you to do this. Would you just please understand that now then it's a spiritual warfare. And we've got to fight spiritual warfare with spiritual things and the greatest weapon that God has given us is his son, Jesus. And I'm going to be strong in the Lord. I may not be gifted, talented, smart, or educated, but there's one thing I'm going to do. I'm going to do my very best to get in him and stay there. Father, this morning... We're just so thankful for the Word of God. We're just so thankful for the simplicity of, of biblical principles. And there's a whole lot of stuff that we don't understand. There's a whole lot of things that's been recorded and said, and, and man, nothing will divide a church like doctrine. Nothing will ruin a good church like religious people have to have it their own way. But this morning, doctrines and religions and theologies and all these things that in themselves, they're fine. 
but the thing that we've been commanded to do if we are going to be stable and strong and have success in the end times to understand this fact that our help comes from the Lord and we've got to be in Christ in whom that we are persuaded and that we believe that He is able to keep that which we have committed to Him until that day, in whom that we have been given the Spirit of promise. It is in Christ that our salvation rests in, our security lives in. There's a place called in Him. There's a location that strength and power and confidence and security can be found and it's in the place called in Him. So Father, this morning, all the sermons and all the lectures that I give, it's only to point these people to You. That we may be strong in Your Son, Jesus, and that we will be able to withstand anything that comes our way because we are in Him. This morning, if you really have never made a, a commitment to the Lord Jesus Christ, I'm telling you this morning, maybe maybe for the first time ever, that the Holy Spirit has, has awakened you and He's calling you and summoning you this morning, not only for a conversion, but maybe now a commitment to Him to pursue Him. If your home is in attack, if your job and your finances in attack and all these things, then I'm pointing you to the only safe place on planet Earth. It's in Him. And just stay there. Move in and stay there. And Father, we give you thanks this morning in Jesus' name. And all the people of God said, amen. If you believe that this morning and Mike Spells was right, give the Lord a praise offering, huh? Thank you, Mike. Stand with me this morning. Turn to about three people today and just embrace them and say, hey, I'm awful glad you're here this morning. I love you. It wouldn't be the same without you. Christ is the only message I'm going to preach to you. Assemblies of God did nothing for me. It confused me. The Baptist doctrine did nothing for you on the inside. The Methodist doctrine, Presbyterian, all these things did nothing but confuse you. But boy, when there's Christ that's being taught and Christ is being lifted up, it's amazing how we can lay down all this stuff and we can come into agreement in Him. I'm glad you're here. Thank you for staying. Communion service, please make your way. If you're visiting this morning, we celebrate Holy Communion every week because we're commanded to. It's the last thing he told us. The last lesson he gave was in a vineyard. The last thing he taught us was about the bread and the cup. In doing so, we remember Him. The word remember in the Greek, it means to exhume a body 
from the ground. Something that has been buried or hidden beneath the surface and now to exhume something to set it right back in front of you. Not in a horrible way. It means to exhume a treasure that was hidden. To exhume something that you lost now then it's been resurfaced. That night he sat with his disciples and he said, for the last 1,500 years, you've been celebrating this Passover ceremony. It took the unleavened bread. Jesus says it like this in John 6, that my father rained bread down from heaven and your fathers did eat of it, but they did hunger again. But he said, I am the bread of life. And if any man eats of me, he will never hunger again. And they ate the bread. And then he took the cup. And he said, for 1,500 years, you've been celebrating the Lamb's blood. They would take the blood of the Lamb and place in the shape of a cross that the death angel, the Abaddon that night, would pass over. And he said, I am now the Lamb of God that takes away the sins of the world. And my Father is about to take my blood and place in the shape of a cross that the death angel will pass over you that put your trust in me. And every time that you eat of this bread and every time you partake of this cup, remember me. Father, if we've ever lived in a time where we truly need to be in the presence of God, it is now. If we've ever needed a time in our life where there's wars and strife and invasions and corruption, everywhere we turn, we can trust no politician. We can trust nobody anymore. We've learned to put our trust into you. And I pray this morning through this, the partaking of the communion once again, that we will remember the covenant that you made for us. Bless this cup. Bless this word in Christ's name. And all the people of God say amen.